Well, what I would say is most uh, exciting is that uh, I've come to and we've come to, to, to know that the community around this church, the local community is just so diverse that really you have the nations represented around here. Uh, and it, it, it's all within reach. And there are people from a lot of different nations that come to this area to visit. And there are people that live here that go uh, visit their families back home. And it's a great way for us to, to reach them and reach the nations through them. Our community is like that first step. It's almost like the practice place um, as we get to uh, begin to share the gospel outside of the walls of our church. Whatever little that we can do, um, us specifically um, in our communities and um, in what where we live where we work um, even the littlest thing showing kindness and smiling at them um, makes a huge difference in showing the love of Christ and that kindles uh, a question in other people's heart that asks what is different in them and they come to know that Christ is and and that's the important part for me because there are lots of things we can do, go on missions, go um, to the people and talk to them about it, but how we live and, and how we show Christ through us um, is, I feel like, the primary way that we want to uh, reach the nation. You know, our Jerusalem, which is our families first and foremost, um, but where we, where we work, where we go to school, um, our community, our neighborhood, um, those who live across the street from us, those who we come in contact with on a, on a daily basis. Um, and it's important for us to, to start there. I mean, we, we need to build those relationships and have those conversations where we're, we're implanting the seed and you know, the, the gospel threads. We're just, we're weaving them into our conversations um, daily. That's really, that's where we start. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. As you're headed there, certainly you just gathered from the video that we are considering how we can love our community best. As we are in this series, Whatever It Takes, we want to do whatever it takes to make Christ's name known. And that means lots of different things, right? So uh, as we have been kind of first thinking or considering our mission statement, right? Together we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. We thought about how we belong, how we gather, how we send, how all of that is a part of who the church is. So, so no matter what church you uh, are a member of, that church, if it's a healthy, Bible-based Christ-centered church, that will be its mission. It might have some other language, but it will, it has to be that in order for it to be the church, right? It has to have the focus of bringing great honor and glory to God. It has to have a focus of making Christ's name known, making disciples of all nations. It has to be part of the DNA of the church. In, in addition to that, we've taken some time. We're, we're now kind of considering the vision for Colonial Heights, specifically to know our people, to love our community, to end our debt and reach our world. So last week, we, we even spent time like, taking a, a survey in the, the, the sermon time, right? Uh, in fact, if you weren't here last week, hopefully you got one of those in your email and 
filled that out already. And it, I will tell you that as I've read through some of those, it has been very helpful to me to see some connections and links to different things. And I look forward to, to ways we can share that in the future. But today, we're going to consider how we love our community. And I want you to know that this matters a lot to me. Certainly, if you've been here very long at all, you know that I'm one who, because Scripture talks about it a lot, I find myself talking a lot about the nations and about reaching those who have never heard the gospel before and reaching the unreached. And because I believe that is integral to the work of a believer and a follower of Christ, but I want you to know that I, I, find, uh, I find that some people think that I uh, really only care about those that live far away. And I, so I talk about that maybe more so than I talk about those right around here. But I want you to hear this. I have an expectation for us as a church that you and I we'll share the gospel with those that we are with. That we will share the gospel with our neighbors. That we will share the gospel with our coworkers. That we will share the gospel with our classmates. That's the expectation of who we are as followers of Christ. That we will find people at the grocery store, at Walmart, at the, uh, like at the ballpark. We will find people and explain to them the glories of Christ. So certainly we're going to have programs and events and activities and ministries that are geared towards that. But if those, were in a, if those did not exist, if there was no ministry, no activity, no extra thing planned in order for us to have a place for you to share the gospel, I would fully expect for you and I to share the gospel in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces, in our neighborhood. Like that is the expectation for followers of Christ. So I need you to know that very lovingly as your pastor, that I expect that of us. And I, I'm including myself in that. My only time to share the gospel is not when I'm in the pulpit. It certainly happens here, hopefully Sunday after Sunday. But my only time is not when somebody comes to my office and kind of maybe their parent brings them to my office and says, you got to talk to the pastor, right? Like it's not, that's not the only time. That those are times, but I, I work to share the gospel in my neighborhood. Turns out most of my coworkers, I think all of my coworkers, I hope all of my coworkers are believers. And so certainly I, I don't have to, to share the gospel in the same way there, right? As I do, I'm getting like this side of the room is getting some good smiles right now. Um, but I am, I'm, I, those are things that I, I, I expect of us. And so what we're going to do today is be reminded of our job. As we, I, I thought about other texts. I thought about texts about loving your neighbor. I thought about texts of even like the Good Samaritan and, and demonstrating that. But I thought, like, what would be the most poignant thing for us to remember in loving our community well? It's to proclaim the gospel, to, to preach the gospel to those who do not know him. So, why don't we do this? Let's look to God's word as it is always our guide to have an understanding, a clearest understanding of the task before us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and beginning in verse 15. 
but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these to secure any such provision, for I would rather die than anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For I do this of my own will. I have a reward, but not of my own will. I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that, I'm, that by all means I might serve, save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So let's consider then this idea of preaching the gospel and the way that we do that, the way we love our community best is by communicating the truth of the gospel, the gift, the good news of Jesus. So preaching the gospel is a requirement for the saved. Did you notice that in these first few verses that we were in? So, so the rest of the chapter is really this discussion about the freedom uh, that, that Paul has, the, whether or not he should be getting paid or not, whether missionaries or pastors should be getting paid. He's just talking about all of that, whether or not he should be allowed to have a, another job, like uh, as you, maybe you know, so he's a tent maker. Was he allowed to, to receive funds in some other way in order for him to continue to, the work? So all of that is, is kind of in the discussion. So then when it comes to verse 15, and he says, I have made no use of these rights to, to receive money in this way. I'm writing these things to, I'm, uh, I'm not writing these things to secure such a payment. So he's saying, I'm not, I'm not asking you to send me money right now. Uh, I would rather die than anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. So this isn't saying like a, a pride issue. This is saying, I, I want to be able to preach the gospel without you saying you only do that because you're paid, right? So he's saying, like, I, I want to do this out of out of. Something more than that. In fact, what he says is, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. We're going to talk about this in just a minute uh, in more detail. But did you catch that word, necessity? Do you feel that preaching the gospel is necessary for you? Like, do you, as a follower of Christ, do you, do you see it that way? Do you like envision that it is 
expected from God. Like there's things that we know God expects of us, right? Like many of you are here right now because you, you believe God expects you to be here. There's an expert, I'm supposed to go to church. He expects you to give. So you're gonna put money in the offering plate or you're gonna give it through online ways or whatever. You're gonna say, okay, yes, I'm, I'm doing that because that's expected of me. There's an expectation of me to pray. So I'm gonna pray. There's an expectation of me to sing. So when I'm in the room, I'm gonna sing. There's an expectation to read the Bible. So you're, you're gonna check all the boxes that are supposed to be checked. Did you know that this is saying you are expected to share the gospel? Like that should be the norm for us. The normative action for us as followers of Christ is to tell other people about the gift of Christ. That's our normal. In fact, this is why we, we have continually said, and even our, our verse for the month, Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Like if we really want the end to come, if we really want Christ's return, we really long for that. Man, y'all were applauding that when we were studying Revelation, right? God, come, Jesus, come, like come, Lord Jesus. The book ends that way. And we're, yeah, let's do that. We want to sing that Revelation song in heaven. So let's do that. Guess what? The way to make that happen <clears throat> is to do whatever it takes. And whatever it takes is making Christ's name known. And the, the possibility that your neighbor or your coworker or your classmate is living without Christ and you have the answer Let that not be said of us. Let it not be said that we have been silent, quiet. So there is in this, he uses this word boasting. And so it makes me think of the pride. Think of the pride that is discussed here. He says, I don't want to boast just in, in this myself. Paul uses this word, ESV study Bible says, it uses this word not in its usual sense of pride, like we would think, that steals glory from God, but rather as expressing a rightful sense of joy and fulfillment in what God has done through him. I think you guys, uh, as, as parents, maybe especially grandparents, know this feeling of, of being proud of your children, proud of your grandchildren, right? It's not that you're boasting in your work or your abilities or your skills. It's that you're just, you're so pleased, honored, filled with joy with how well they are doing, right? Y'all understand that? This is yes, this is no. Yes, you do understand it. Good. Somebody's awake. So, so this is what's happening is, is in that same sense, Paul is, he's just filled with joy. So he's saying, I don't take that away from me by, by assuming you have to pay me <clears throat> to do this work. No, I want to do this work. I'm, I'm thrilled with this work. So this is this, this category of, of pride that he describes. But I would say in addition, there's also a progression. The progression that is described, I think he describes even clearer in Romans chapter one. You, you do not have to turn there, but I wanna read part of Romans one. This is verses 14 through 16. And I want you to, to see the progression he makes in proclaiming the gospel. He says, I'm under obligation 
Sounds a lot like that word necessity, right? I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So when I think of this progression, I think of three things that we see in this in this uh, short passage of scripture in the book of Romans. I think the word obligated, right? That word I was describing when I said, this is expected of you. May we at a minimum, may we leave this place today and at a minimum feel obligated to share the gospel. That, that, that was my prayer this morning. As I was in my office this morning praying, I, I prayed specifically that we as followers of Christ would feel a, the unique burden and responsibility and obligation that this week, literally this week, that we would find someone to tell about the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. If that would be something that this week, there's, there's like six more days that we would call this week. So you get all of those days. At one of those days, you would find one person and you would say, I'm nothing else. I'm obligated to tell you. What does obligated even mean? What is, what is that driving? Think about this. If, if you were, um, if you saw someone, this is always the example, you see someone in the road and there's a car coming and they can't see the car coming. Isn't there an, like a, an obligation that you have to say, get out of the way, move, right? There's some, hey! Like, hey, you, car is coming. Like, right, there's something in us innate that says we're obligated to yell at them. I'm not suggesting that that's the way in which you should share the gospel, right? Uh, but there is that kind of obligation, right? There's someone, and there is something way worse than a semi-truck coming at them. There is the wrath of God coming toward them for all eternity, and we look at them, and we're like, Zip, I am, and we use things like, I'm an introvert. Introvert doesn't stop you from yelling at that person in the street, does it? Nope, you're gonna yell twice as loud. You introverts, y'all are, I am not one of those, if you did not know. And y'all, y'all are just as loud as we are. I know you are. But just when you choose to be. And so in the same way, like, get over your introvertism. I don't even, I just made that word up. Uh, like, like, get past that, Right? We, we have to because there's an obligation. There's something more. I, this is where uh, Jeremiah says, there's like the fire burning in my bones. I can't help but let it out. I have, I, I have to. I'm obligated to this. In fact, that leads to the second level in Romans where he says he's eager. Ooh, he's like getting right on the edge. Like, I can't wait. Like, can you, can you wrap this sermon up? Because I got, I got someone I got to go tell. Like this is, this is the good stuff. Okay. I get it. Like we're gathered together so we can get fired up and go like, let's do this. I'm eager to share the gospel. I'm eager to knock on my neighbor's door. I'm eager to, I can't wait to go to lunch tomorrow because I got that person. I'm a, I know I sit across from them week after week after week, and I'm, I'm going to get to tell them about Jesus tomorrow. There's an eagerness. In fact, that leads to this third level of progression. I would say is unashamed right? When he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
right? This is, this is where you, you lose like all sense of holding back. You say, I, I, am, I cannot help it anymore. You must know the beauty and glory of the fact that, that you were created, made in the image of God. You were designed by a creator God. And, and even though you're sinful and wicked and wrong, and I was sinful and wicked and wrong, there is a way. And his name is Jesus Christ for you to have eternity with God. You get to spend everlasting life with him. You get to know him. I love that, that testimony that Abby said, like she wanted to know God and spend forever with God. She wanted to be in the presence of God. That comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And so you can turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus and forever you'll get God. You'll get the creator of the universe at your fingertips. That's, that's, that's what you get to say to people. Like how, how can this be saddening for us? How can we hold that in? Are you, are you joking me? Like this is too good. This is the stuff that's radically, drastically changed your life. You went from dead to alive. And I don't care if that happened when you were six years old or if you were a former drug addict and like you're a gang member and all of those things. Like you're like, oh, I was, my, my testimony was all of these things and now it's this. Look, guess what? So was the person, I, I got saved at six years old. Guess what I was before then? I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And Jesus Christ made me alive. No, I, I didn't go down that path, but that was because of the grace of God. So we, we praise God for that. That's the story we tell. Like, this is why this is, this is good. You want to talk about loving our community? You want to talk about like, really caring for the people in your neighborhood? And how do we as a church to do that? You, as the church, share the glories of Christ Jesus with them. That's how we do that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. I, like, there's stuff that I know that's coming. Like, there's a, uh, there's a new brother in Christ uh, that just last week, he came forward to, to let us know that not only was he a new believer, but that he wants to be a part of us at Colonial Heights, wants to be baptized here, making that known. And that's because a church member here at his work shared the gospel with this new brother. That's not, I, I, did, not, I did not preach a good enough sermon for this young man. He came to Christ because a friend led him to Jesus. Like, I don't know, like, that's how it's supposed to work. So, this, this makes perfect sense then that Paul would, would continue by saying, preaching the gospel is a reward in itself. I think some of us think that it's just a burden, but it's actually payment. Like it's a gift to us. And I tell you this, the more you do it, the more you will find reward in it. The more, more often it happens, the more you will enjoy it. This is what he says in verse uh, 17 and following. So, so look there with me. First Corinthians 9, 17. He says, for I do this of my own will. I will, I have a reward, but if not of my own will, I'm still entrusted with a stewardship. So what then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. See, what Paul's saying here to this church is that he could have expected or even demanded payment from them for his services. 
stepped back and said his reward was them giving him payment. But what he says is, I'm going to step back and said that his reward was actual the proclamation of the gospel. So he wanted to make sure there's no wrong motive here. There's not something else I'm trying to gain here. I'm trying to make sure we all understand. In fact, earlier in this chapter, as I mentioned, like he was talking about getting paid and, and a, there was a significant discussion on the first 14 verses of this chapter about that payment. And basically what he's saying is the proclamation of the gospel does not require payment. I, I feel like if I told you we were running a, a special that if you shared the gospel this week, then every person you shared the gospel with, we'd give you $100. You would, you would do something this week. You'd find somebody. Y'all be sharing the gospel with like the turtle in the road. You'd be finding anybody. Anybody need Jesus. Right? You'd be finding people, places, you'd be going all over, and you'd come back with all your reports. It doesn't require payment. The proclamation of the gospel is, is the gift. That is the reward. And it's because that we haven't done it enough that we don't see it as a reward. We, we see it as, as a burden. And again, I, I've prayed this. I prayed this morning, again, that we would at least see it that way. At least see it as an obligation. Because some of us, if we're being real honest, we don't even feel that, do we? Right? We, we feel like that's for somebody else. That's for one of you extroverted, gifted in evangelism type of person. But that's not my gift, Chad. My gift is not evangelism. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> but because the Bible doesn't either. Yes, there are some that that is the gift that God has given them that stirs in them. But, but I love you enough to say the expectation is for all of us to make disciples of all nations, for all of us to make Christ's name known, no matter how uncomfortable we get with that. I, I do, I, I just, I love you too much for that. So, this is not a service you are paid for. But, the proclamation of the gospel does require stewardship, right? It is something we are to steward. So, it's, it's something that we are to, like, manage. We're, we're, we're to, to figure out, okay, who and when and where and, and how am I supposed to do that? And what, what manner of, a, of which should I be proclaiming the truth? So yes, as a church, there are ministries that we have uh, connected with or even ministries that we have on our own that we are developing for the very purpose of making Christ's name known, being a light in our community. I think of things like Ann Smith Elementary, right down the, right down the street, around the corner. Uh, we have very intentionally gone to them and met with the principals and said, like, how can we serve you? And we've been able to care for teachers and care for parents. We've been able to meet and like actually get to know people in our community that don't necessarily walk in these doors. 
We have a, a weekday preschool program that is designed to reach and love our community and display the love of Christ, like that the children here would hear the name of Jesus and would know who Jesus is, that their parents would be, feel like they're bringing their child to a safe, secure loving place and they would hear the gospel in programs and in ministries and they would be prayed over. We partner with places like the Baptist Children's Village where we, we say like we, we care for the orphan, even the local orphan in such a way that we wanna make sure we're investing well. We care, we provide for ministries like Hope Hollow and Sunnybrook and we, we partner, we go to those places where we serve and care for. Like this is all happening through the work and ministry of Colonial Heights. Like, we believe that. So we have to steward those resources well. So I don't want you to hear me say that the church is not responsible at all or that we're not taking any ownership. And I'm just saying, hey, you go share the gospel and like, we're not gonna do anything else. No, like, it's a both and. It's both that we are going to provide opportunity and that we expect you to find your own opportunity. And... And here's where we see this. So preaching the gospel is a reward in itself and preaching the gospel takes regulation for our delivery. I wanna jump into this. I'm gonna try to do this as quickly as I can. So listen to verses 19 through 23. When I say regulation, this is, this is where there's actually some parameters by which the gospel is to be shared. There's like some ways in which that's supposed to look. So Paul says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, <clears throat> I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. So what that means is Paul would adopt different customs and practices as he was in those different parts of the world, right? We know that he goes on these different missionary journeys. And so he travels to different places. And when he is in those places, he takes on different customs. And so some of those regulations, I would say, are that he would, that we should uh, adhere to as well. One that abide by cultural standards, right? So when this this sounds really small, but like when uh, it, this this might even be something at some of your homes. Like if you go into someone's home and you notice there's a pile of shoes right by the door, and all of them have their shoes off, what do you think you should do? Take your shoes off. Like you're gonna follow the same custom they have. You might think, I hope they don't want me to take my shoes off. I get it. Maybe they don't. You could ask them. But like when there's some parts of the world I've been to where we found uh, not only are we supposed to take our shoes off, but you're supposed to uh, not put your feet out so nobody's supposed to see the bottoms of your feet. That makes pretty good sense. Since like you're eating on the floor, nobody wants to see your feet while they're eating right? So, so you, you sit like on your feet, crisscross applesauce, which is particularly challenging for me. But 
Like, right, those kind of things where you say, okay, that's a cultural standard. That's an expectation. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow that. That's not saying that you, like, what, what Paul's not saying is, hey, let's start doing whatever their uh, idolatry customs are. Hey, let's worship their gods. No, 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 no. This is just showing respect for whatever their culture is. Even in that uh, the, the video right before the sermon, some were talking about, or was talking about how there are a lot of cultures, a lot of nations right here in Ridgeland represented. And so we're gonna find as we like meet and get to know our neighbors and our community that there's gonna be other cultural standards like that that we're gonna need to adjust. We don't need to make them adjust to us. We be the, the demonstration of the gospel in this way. And so additionally, adhere to customary expectations, right? That might mean that you withhold uh, participating in something. I'll, I'll give a practical example. Uh, you, you may, and, and Paul might even be saying this kind of thing regarding food, but you may have the freedom to drink alcohol. Sure, in fact, the Bible does not say, do not do that. But I would say that even for me in my life, I'm gonna guard from doing that. I'm not gonna do that because I want to give it, I want to make sure that that, that isn't an offense to anyone. I wanna make sure that I'm not going against anyone in this. So it would be good as you seek to proclaim the gospel that, that you and I abstain from that in order that it not be a hindrance to the clarity of the gospel, right? So I'm not saying that it's necessarily a sin. I'm saying that it, let's, let's take down all barriers that we can take down. Let's remove that as much as possible. Adhere to customary expectations and acknowledge a common understanding, right? He, he talks about here to, to the weak, I became weak to my, that I might win the weak. He's actually talking about weak-minded Specifically, ones who are uneducated. Is that what he's, that's what he's describing. I'm not talking about necessarily that those in this room or at home uh, or your neighbor is uneducated. They might have greater education than you, but they might be uneducated in the lingo of church world. And so sometimes what we end up doing is we, we use terminology and phraseology to about doctrine and theology and all of these things to a lost person that only confuses them more. What I would say is what, what Paul is saying, so, so act as though you don't know what those words mean and explain to them. What does repentance mean? What does baptism mean? How about this one? Like we, we here, we have life groups, right? It's a Bible study time. What does life group mean to the unchurched person? I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what they think that is. I remember I was at a church that had Sunday school and this couple showed up to church. I asked them if they had ever been to Sunday school. Weeks later, I found out that they were like, now, a couple weeks ago, you said something about going to school on Sundays. What is that? I was like, oh, okay. Right, so sometimes we just use churchy language. So when we're in conversation with those people that might not know Christ, guess what? They might not know about the language of scripture. So teach them, be kind. Don't have an expectation that they should know all that you know. Okay, 
So, so therefore, we want to preach the gospel knowing that there is even kind of some of these regulation for our delivery of the gospel. But I love how he finishes this section when he writes that preaching the gospel is a race with a purpose. I love this finish. Did you not know, verse 24, that in a race all the runners compete? Only one receives the prize. So run that you will win it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. This also uh, could be translated, I pummel my body and make it my slave. Keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This image of an athlete, a runner in particular, a boxer. I think about, I am even thinking about those in this room that I know are, have done long distance running or uh, intense sports training, uh, college athletes, uh, uh, high school athletes and others who, who like have specific things. And so what, what comes to mind when I think about that as Paul was writing a couple things one, racing takes goal setting, right? Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna compete, really, it's not just a race, but, but if you're gonna compete at any high level, you're gonna set goals. You say, okay, I, I want to, I think it's, it's March Madness right now. So you think like, they wanna make it to the final four. They wanna win the championship. They wanna make it, they, some teams just are glad to be there, right? Uh, whatever it is, like they have different goals. They, we, wanna, we wanna accomplish this thing. Maybe it is that in regards to sharing the gospel, you might set a goal. Have you ever thought of that? that sometimes you're not, you're not hitting the target because you don't have a target. What if, what if this week you said, I want to share the gospel with one person. That's my goal. This week, I got six days. I want to share the gospel with one person. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to send an email. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to go knock on their door. I'm going to ask them to lunch. I'm going to take them to breakfast, whatever it is. I'm take them a coffee. I'm going to see them. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to find them and I'm going to share the gospel with them. So, Think about how many people or even who that should be with and make that a goal. Can we do that? Like, can we say this week, six days, one person, right? Wow, nobody's agreeing with me. Can anybody else do that? I'm gonna do that. Can y'all do that? Okay, yes. So it also takes self-control. Like any sort of athletic work that at a high level is gonna take self-control, Right? It talks about every uh, athlete exercises self-control. Every good athlete does. So maybe you should ask, what will you remove from your life so that you will be able to accomplish the goal we just set? Right? Is there, is there something you're going to give up? You know what? I'm going to give up. I'm, maybe you really are an introvert. And so you're going to give up that preference toward introvertism, Right? Uh, you're going to give up that preference to share the gospel. Maybe you're going to give up 
the lunch that you enjoyed by yourself. And you're going to take someone else to lunch that you can share with them. Maybe you're going to give up some other inconvenience. Maybe there's something that you don't need to take away, but you need to add to your life. We need to add an open door at our home. We need to add someone to being invited in. We needed to add some other layer of uh, conversation. We need to take something away, add something to, because it takes self-control to do this. And it takes discipline. One of the things that you'll find with any, any high-level athlete is that they, they are committed to over and over and over and over and over again. Like repetition is always high priority. So if it's a runner, they're going to run five, six, seven days a week. If it's a football player, like a, a good basketball player, right? After the game's over, they're the one shooting 50 free throws after the game, right? Like it's over and over. It's repetition. It's discipline. It's, it's, and so I would also argue that it would be wise for us to commit this to a routine. I realize that many times we, we don't like routine in church. We talk about that. It also coincides with like getting in a rut. We don't like getting in a rut of, of uh, just doing it because we're doing it, because we said we were going to have to, or another box to check, and I understand that. But I think probably one of the reasons that we don't share the gospel as often is we're not in the routine of sharing the gospel. It's not normative for us. So I would plead with you in the same way that we discipline our body, we keep it under control, that we would discipline ourselves to making Christ's name known. It's one of the things I guess I'm thinking about. The person in the room right now who hears all this and you don't know know Christ well enough to say, I want to make him known. <laughs> or why is that guy up on the stage telling all of these people to share this good news with others? Well, I'm, I'm sharing this because I believe it's worth it. Because I believe that there is a, more than just a car headed your way in the road but I do believe that apart from Christ, the wrath of God is headed your way. And, and there is a way in which you can turn away from your own way, your own self, your own sin. And instead, you can trust in Christ. That's called repentance, right? Turning away from and trusting in Jesus. You can do that right where you are right now. Like you, don't, you don't have to come down the aisle. We, we would be happy for you too, but that's not a necessity. Right where you sit, you can call on the name of Jesus, pray. You can talk to him and say, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've offended you. I know I've done wrong against you, but I need you to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to, to change my ways and I'll do whatever it is you say. I'll follow you. I'll follow your commands, including the command to make you known to others. So that's my, my prayer for you. If you don't know him, that today would be that day. But if you do know him, 
then you know enough to make him known. If you've ever let that be your excuse that you just don't have enough knowledge, you don't have all the answers, if you know enough to have chosen to follow Christ, then you know enough to share with someone else. You have all that it takes. You got all the same information. It doesn't take more for them than it took for you. So child, student, parent, grandparent, all of us, we know enough. So we want to love our community well enough that we will make Christ's name known right here. So as we respond this morning, as we give the Lord the praise that he most richly deserves for that good news happening to us, for that gospel happening to us, for that faithful gift of God happening to us, I wanna ask that you would respond with us in praise. You would give him the glory that he deserves. If any of this is stirring in you more questions or things you wanna know more about, or maybe there's even more like, you know you need to turn to Christ and you got more questions about that, right here to my left in this room, there will be some that would love to talk with you. Even just like last week, someone even after the service said, I, I've got more, I, I've gotta talk more and, and did just that. So again, as we, as we respond, would we all be careful to respond as the Lord leads? Would you stand with me now?